Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Ishmael Kawaja. Hello, hope you're doing well on a chilly Wednesday, the 18th of January. Thanks for downloading today's podcast. In a short while, we'll be talking about the potential impact of a new wedding venue, and you'll hear more about the latest wave of strike action in the county. But we start with the top story on our website. A man who killed his partner's puppies during a terrifying attack at their home in Ashford has been jailed. The two cocker spaniels died last August at the hands of 34-year-old Jimmy Smith, who since moved to Thames Ditton in Surrey. Well, to talk us through this story, I'm joined now by our reporter, Nicola. So, Nick, a horrific crime. How did this all happen? Well, Jimmy Smith carried out the attack on the Cocker Spaniels named Sky and Angel in front of his partner last August. Canterbury Crown Court was told that she heard the puppies screaming before watching Smith swing them by their leads and throw them to the ground, repeatedly hitting their heads against the concrete floor. The next time she looked, the 34-year-old was dragging the puppies by their leads. One of them died at the scene while the other had to be put down by vets. In the hours leading up to the attack, Smith threatened to scar the woman's face and armed himself with an axe. And this was part of a campaign of abuse for more than a decade, wasn't it? That's right. Smith subjected his partner to physical assaults, stalking, threatening and controlling behaviour and left his victim in constant fear during their 13-year relationship. He would hunt her down at bars, restaurants and even a car garage while she was having a tyre replaced. She described being attacked so often that she just became used to it. And his partner bravely gave a statement to the court about how she was affected. What else did she say? Well, she said, I was too scared to report to the police as I knew the repercussions would be further physical abuse towards me. Even now, when I know he's locked up, I'm scared that he's going to find a way to do something to me. I don't think a day goes by when I feel like I can relax and be myself. And when he is to be released from prison, I don't know what he could do. So what was Smith's sentence and what did the judge have to say? about his actions. Well, Smith had pleaded guilty before a trial last year to two counts of causing unnecessary suffering to an animal, assault occasioning actual bodily harm and controlling and coercive behaviour between August 2019 and August last year. Judge Simon Taylor QC handed him a seven-year prison sentence and described his behaviour as utterly terrible and pathetic. He'll also be subject to a 10-year restraining order and the time he's already spent on remand will be deducted from his overall sentence. Thanks for those details Nick. The RSPCA has also given their reaction saying how sad they are to hear about this deeply tragic case. A spokesperson added this shocking incident reminds us that pets sadly can be used as a way of controlling people as a form of domestic violence. We would urge anyone experiencing these problems to seek help from the police or a domestic abuse charity. We'll also be aware of any charities who provide pet fostering services to help care for animals while owners can get the support they need. Kent Online news. Well, the top stories now. Tributes are being paid to a paramedic who was found dead in her room after a night out in Maidstone. Zakira Lawson-Koss, who's originally from Cuba, is thought to have taken her own life on New Year's Day. The 22-year-old from Coxheath has been described as a good friend and a truly kind-hearted individual. The ambulance service that covers Kent also say she'll be sadly missed. A full inquest will be held in 
March. It's the 13th anniversary of a murder which led to one of the biggest ever investigations by Kent Police. Claire Tiltman was stabbed in an alleyway in Greenhide that she walked to meet a friend just four days after her 16th birthday. Her killer was finally brought to justice in 2014 following a cold case review. Five men have been arrested after two Land Rovers were stolen from a house near Tunbridge. They were taken from a property in Plaxstow in the early hours of Monday. The group were detained after one of the vehicles was spotted being driven through the Blackwall Tunnel later that day. Now nurses in Kent and the rest of the country are striking again in a row over pay. What do we want? Fair pay! Why do we want it? Patient safety! When do we want it? Now! Thousands are walking out amid concerns, underfunding and staff shortages are causing a crisis in the NHS. They want wages to keep up with rising inflation. Our reporter Lowry's been to the picket line outside Faversham Cottage Hospital and spoke to Jane, who's been a nurse for nearly 40 years. I've been in nursing since 1976 and in the 1980s I actually crossed a picket line as a member of the Royal College of Nursing because in those days um, the RCN didn't strike and Today I'm here because the alarming number of um, people leaving the profession, um, not being able to recruit into the profession across, the, across England is making a significant number of staff shortages. And so those staff shortages um, can have an impact on patient safety. I work for a really brilliant trust, that's Kent Community, and... Um, I don't I just feel passionate that healthcare support workers, nursing support workers and healthcare assistants, nurses are being devalued by the government and that hurts. I understand that. And what, what would you say about the um, impact that this, these strikes might have on patient care today? Right, well, the Royal College of Nursing is very strict and so um, certain services are totally derogated from strike action. So not, obviously, in our trust, we don't have intensive care units and um, A&Es, but we do have minor injury units and a system called derogation has been in place. The local strike committee is working with the trust to ensure that there are safe staffing numbers and that no patient is going to be put at risk okay and um, so obviously this is um, about patient care but also about pay and the fact that nurses aren't being remunerated appropriately what would you say about that can I just correct something a little bit it's nursing and so when when the government publishes figures and say that the average nurse earns 30,000 a year um, I'd like to respond to that by saying firstly that staff nurses on a band five um, certainly in Kent, do not earn £30,000 a year. We would love it if they did because they provide such incredible care, such expertise and such passion and compassion. But you also have to remember that the Royal College of Nursing has members that are healthcare support workers and the band twos and band threes on agenda for change. Our salaries never get published, never get reported on and, you know... Um, the nurses know and tell us that they couldn't manage without us and so I think it's really important that we say nursing and not nurses. Does that make sense? And um, I understand this is one of two pickets in Kent today so this is in Faversham, where is the other one? The other one's in Sevenoaks at the Sevenoaks Community Hospital. And um, what kind of reaction have you had from people here today so far? Um, We've had lots and lots of pips um, and honking and um, positive comments from people who are walking by some people obviously are concerned and I just want to reassure them that patients are not being left unsafe Um, but yes I think I think it's been positive
if it's actually quite heartwarming. We know the public are behind us and we really, really absolutely appreciate that. So thank you to the public for all your positive, um, if you like, response. And we've had gifts as well of biscuits and cakes. And uh, yeah, I think also we should also say that well done to the staff um, who are currently working on the wards. They may be members of the Royal College of Nursing. They may be belong to other unions or none at all and without them um, the wards the wards are safe and community nursing as a whole is being kept safe from the top down our chief nurse everybody is working hard to ensure that Nicola's also been speaking with Ellen McNicholas from the Royal College of Nursing in the southeast I think it's a given that no nurse actually wants to strike uh, nurses come into the profession because they have uh, compassion professionalism and want to care for their patients. The government has pushed this issue. Uh, We have repeatedly asked them to engage with us in meaningful negotiations, but nurses are suffering real terms pay cuts of around 20% in the last 10 years. Uh, But not only that, we have significant nurse vacancies in excess of 47,000 in England. That puts a huge pressure on those who are turning up to work on a daily basis. That's not being recognised by this government. The government needs to act now uh, to stop putting nurses through this. We're losing them in droves and we're going to lose more. You mentioned there the pressure facing staff at the moment. Can you give us a bit of an idea as to how that's making some nurses feel? I mean, have you heard stories of people who are pretty pushed to breaking point? Every day uh, we hear stories from our members uh, of uh, the sadness that they feel in making a decision to leave the profession because they literally cannot take any more. Uh, they're repeatedly turning up to shifts where they are short of staff. Uh, the demand for services is higher than it has ever been. Um, and they're really at breaking point and and it's a risk for them. They see the risk to patients that's happening on a daily basis. They can't take any more. Those people who are leaving the Nursing and Midwifery Council register are no longer people of retirement age who have fulfilled their career. It's often younger people at, at the beginning or the middle of their career and the experience that we can't afford to lose from the NHS. We've already heard how busy our hospitals are this winter. Surely patients are going to be very concerned that they hear that nurses are going on strike. What would you like to say directly to them today? Absolutely. I would like to say to patients, first of all, thank you for your understanding. The public support for this industrial action has been overwhelming. And please understand that we do have patient interests at heart when we're doing this. We want a sustainable nursing workforce. And in order to do that, we have to pay a a reasonable wage to our nursing workforce. The backlog, the cancellations, et cetera, that patients are feeling is not because of our two days of industrial action. It's a cumulative effect of underinvestment in Uh, the NHS as a whole, but in the nursing profession specifically. And that's what we at the Royal College of Nursing are concerned about. As you said, Ellen, no one wants to be striking. What's going to resolve this, though? Absolutely nobody wants wants to strike. We need the government to get into sensible negotiations with uh, the Royal College of Nursing. Uh, We've waived that olive branch. Pat Cullen has waived that olive, olive branch and said, come and talk to me, meet us halfway. Uh, and that has fallen on deaf ears. The government need to act now and start those negotiations so that we can put an end to this 
and give patients and uh, uh, people in the United Kingdom uh, the service that they deserve from our NHS. The staff will be walking out tomorrow too, but Chancellor Jeremy Hunt says an increase in salaries would just push up inflation. There is a sincerely held different viewpoint on both sides of the table, but what's important is this year we are talking to each other and I think that's the way we will resolve this, not through strikes that are immensely damaging to NHS patients. Meanwhile, the GMB union says ambulance staff, including from CCAM in Kent, will take fresh action four times over the next two months. Yesterday, it was also confirmed that university staff in Kent will be among 70,000 who will stage walkouts across the country on the 1st of February. Members of the university and college union will be involved as part of a dispute over pay, pensions and working conditions. Kent Online. Reports. 45 people have been rescued after getting into trouble trying to cross the channel to Kent. They were taken to Calais and met by emergency services. It comes after a 14-day break in crossings of small boats, the longest in nine months. A total of 106 asylum seekers had actually tried making the dangerous journey in two small boats yesterday. Paper Chase has confirmed it's in talks with potential buyers just four months after a change of ownership. The stationary retailer has shops in Bluewater, Maidstone, Tunbridge Wells, and Canterbury. It's feared it could go into administration if a rescue deal isn't made. Next today, plans to create a new wedding venue in the grounds of an 18th century country house not far from Deal seem to have split opinion. Some people living near Ripple Court are worried about noise disruption and extra traffic. Stephen Coveney is one of them. He's been chatting with our reporter Leanne. My wife and I have both got the same opinion. Um, there are 27 horses in that paddock. There are three in that paddock. There are five down that farm there. There's a horse stud at the bottom of the hill. And with regularity, there are horses up and down this road every single day, including Christmas Day. Uh, and all the local people, you know, they give way and they wave and they're very courteous about it because we've, we've moved to the country. And the people that have objected in the farms have also said that they're worried about traffic racing up and down, uh, unfamiliar with the roads, late at night maybe. Um, as I said, we've already had a car crash into the front, completely took out the front of our gates and five youngsters, all very mouthy, police were called, never been paid out on it. The roads in the summer are chock-a-block with tractors going up and down, up and down, up and down, all day, every day during harvest. Uh, and very often tractors have to back up to allow cars past. The thought of 40 cars, because they've got planning permission for parking space for 40-odd cars, I think, day in, day out, people not knowing where they are, sat-navs getting lost, potential for fireworks. It, the house is there. I mean, it's just there. Not, they, they say that they've taken um, noise reduction capabilities. They, they refused to put it into the house, so they're going to put it into a marquee, which is made of canvas, which is thin, so that there'll be the noise of discotheques and music and revelry and shouting and people drunk. It's just all of those. It's just unbelievable that they've got to put a planning app in for that in such a small environment. They bought it as a family home. Originally, the, the, the people that sold it told us, because we knew the people before, that they were buying it as a family home a and then inherited all of the issues and are trying to fundraise. That's the only thing I can imagine. 
So do you have any other ideas on what you would like to see happen there? Or would you like to just sit, stay as a home and that's it? It should have been bought as a home and left as a home. Yeah. Got, and they've commissioned um, traffic reports by the uh, Kent County Council who have said that there's nothing. It's a 60 mile an hour road and can remain as such. Whereas even 30 is too fast. People whiz up and down. It's also uh, an emergency road for the bypass, so the ambulance, fire engines and police cars scream up and down here to get to it because it's a direct road to the bypass. Um, it's Also, we've had a, a death. There was somebody killed at the end of the road, hit by a car two years ago, a man on a motorbike, a local man. Uh, so there, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of reasons why it shouldn't be there. Mark Bachelet also has his reservations and says he was disappointed when he first found out about it. We found out because my um, my partner is actually was was the parish council clerk, and part of her things was putting together the meetings. She just happened to go on the uh, website of planning applications and do an effect ripple, and uh, she went blow me down. Um, there's a planning application, so there was no contact first saying what do you think about it from us. I have mentioned that I, that I found that disappointing and it would have created a bit more trust. I am on the committee of Polo Farm Sports Club uh, in Canterbury and we've done a couple of developments that have involved neighbours and we always go and talk to the neighbours first before we put in the planning application and I've spoken to other people at the council and they said oh yeah you really want to talk to the neighbours first. So that's how we first got to find out, find out. and as I said it was a bit disappointing that we weren't consulted first. And having read through the plans, what do you think about it? Personally, from a, ne a very narrow, selfish perspective, which isn't necessarily something that the planners will take into account, but from a very, from a very personal perspective, uh, the noise is is what it's going to. It, it, it will be disappointing. I work five days a week, uh, and obviously Fridays and Saturdays, weekends in the summer, sit out in the garden. Um, it's nice and quiet uh, at the moment. <laughs> Can you imagine someone else's uh, music? When I spoke to Peter and, uh, and Francesca, they did, they did say, yeah, I'm afraid we can't guarantee that you'll keep them, you won't be able to hear it. But as they said, they live there. And that, that is a sort of balance in that it won't be too rowdy. But I mean, with respect, it is rather easier to put up with noise if you're earning money from it. If you're just sitting in your garden with no financial interest, it's somebody else's music, isn't it? The traffic is uh, less of a, an issue for me, but it, it is still annoying. People use my drive for a passing place and it's just going to get worse. But those backing the plan say it will bring a welcome boost to local businesses like hotels and florists. A decision is due to be made tomorrow. There are growing concerns about the impact a new garden village near Sittingbourne could have on the local community. An opposition group has been set up to fight plans to build 2,500 homes on farmland to the west of Bobbing. The development would include a new doctor's surgery, primary school and sports hub. But there are fears local roads and other infrastructure won't be able to cope. Rishi Sunak's being urged to step in and stop the expansion of London's ultra-low emission zone to the border of Kent. 
From August, drivers of older vehicles will be charged £12.50 a day to drive into areas like Bexley, Orpington and Sidcup as part of measures to improve air quality. But speaking during Prime Minister's question, South Anna MP Craig McKinley described it as taxation without representation. This was his exchange with the PM in the Commons. Evidence is now very clear that the London Mayor's sham consultation has suppressed 5,000 negative responses from members and supporters of Fair Fuel UK, of which I am the APPG chairman. Now, what angers me is this is a tax against my residents in South Thanet. It's a tax against Kent residents. It's a tax against all of the home counties. This is true taxation without representation and I, I, when my right honourable friend assure me he will do all that he can to stop this because it is a tax that is a fill up against a failed mayor's budget and a failed mayor. My my honourable friend makes an excellent and powerful point. The Labour mayor is imposing this tax on a public which does not want it. He's right to highlight that. Expanding this zone is not something that communities want, and I look forward to working with him to urge the mayor to properly consider and respond to all these views and stop this unfair tax. Work started on installing fibre broadband in Maidstone. It's part of a £15 million investment by City Fibre to improve connectivity for homes and businesses. The town is the second area to get the upgrade after work was done in Sittingbourne. Now a new art school is going to open in Medway to try and fill the gap from the closure of the University for the Creative Arts. They're closing their campus in Rochester later this year. Big Kent College has teamed up with the Uni of Kent and the local council to create the Medway School of Arts, which could welcome 100 students by September. Claire Roach and Jim Morby are from the college. There are a lot of students that live in Medway, study in Medway and maybe because of financial reasons or because of um, they want to stay closer to home and family. They want a, they want to be able to study locally. Um, it, it's really expensive these days going to a university and for some students the idea of the extra expenditure of of having to move away from home, the travel back and forward, it is just too much and they would rather not do it. So to have something that is commutable, that is maybe in walking distance from where they live or is a short bus ride or, or train journey, I think is really important for the local area. I think also in, in that, there's some really exciting things going on in the creative mm. industry in Midway. It's a growth sector. Um, so, you know, we really want to make sure, you know, again, as we've said in there really but collaboratively, that we are providing the education to keep up with the industry and the, the growing demands. You know, there are opportunities for young people there, opportunities for established artists and, and people to work more closely within the industry sector. So the more we can do to kind of support that as an education provider um, in the local area, you know, working with other education providers, whether it's from schools, the universities, uh, to make sure that, you know, that we've got that cohesive offer. We don't want to see any provision disappear from the region. So, you know, any area where we think that there is you know, an educational need, we'll try and fill that, that, that gap. Um, but I think particularly in this area, because of the growth in the industry, because, you know, we're seeing it as a growth industry nationally, but there's a lot of work going on, a lot of really exciting things coming into Medway. Uh, we want to support that really from an education point. And, you know, the, the Medway Creative Cultural Strategy, sorry, is, you know, events, community events, 
big celebrations of creative practice and the idea that creativity and all kind of parts of the community, all members of the community, not just those who are creative, but everybody from nursery age children right up to the other end of life cycle, having that access to creativity and creative practice is actually an enriching process. Yeah. You know, it, it's something that benefits every kind of level of society. I think, so, I think we've seen in some ways what, you know, some of the impact, particularly in the last few years around yeah. the pandemic, of, you know, losing some of that, that cultural uh, sort of input and, and availability for just the, the general public to, to be able to engage with that. So that's yeah. part of our community. I think it would be a mistake to think that, you know, that, that we, we don't need the creative sector, you know, so, so actually you know, it's, it's one where we've seen with our young people, you know, with, with students coming in 16, 17, 18, there's some really incredible talent in there. And, you know, and so actually we want to sort of foster that and be able to support that. Uh, and I think it would be a huge loss if we weren't able to do that as a as a, a general community and as education. It will initially offer a foundation diploma in art and design. Workers at Aldi's warehouse on Sheppey are getting a pay rise. It means they'll be getting a minimum of £13.59 an hour compared to £12.66 at the start of last year. The latest review also includes paid time off for people having fertility treatment. And Chase and Status are going to be performing in Kent this summer. They're headlining a one-day festival at Margate's Dreamland in June. It follows their sold-out gig there last September. Kent's Online Sports. Football and the new owner of Gillingham has told the Kent Online podcast they could move to a new stadium in future. Bracefield has been their home since the 1890s when they were known as New Brompton. But Brad Gunnison, who's been chatting with our sports reporter Luke Cordell, says there are options moving forward. I think in the in the short term, Bracefield needs a little TLC, yeah, um, a little capital. Not not so much, but but the history is there. I think um, as the team gets more success. So a promotion or two, I think it's quite viable and something that we want to look at. It's a good problem to have yeah. that we would probably want to upgrade to a new stadium in the mm. community, though. Yeah. Um, I think that's a natural progression as you get sort of up leagues. Um, but again, I mean, now we're sort of fighting to stay in the football league. So it's hard to sort of realistically say, oh, when we reach championship, yeah. do we want a new stadium? How big do we want that stadium? That That's great problems to have. That'll be a future interview. That Yeah, that okay, okay. I look forward to that one. The side are currently fighting to avoid relegation from League Two and travel to take on Colchester United this weekend. You can hear Brad's full chat in a special edition of the Kent Online podcast that's available now. And in tennis, Kent's Emma Raducanu has been knocked out of the Australian Open. She lost in straight sets to American seventh seed, Coco Golf in Melbourne. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get an update of the top stories direct to your email each morning with the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.